keep him in your prayers, if you will. We want to continue our message that we started this morning titled, Was it not within thine own power? Was it not within thine own power or their own, thine own control? This comes from Acts chapter 5, verse 4. You know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They sold a possession of land. They pretended to give it all, which actually they lied to God, and because of that it cost them their lives. But Peter made the point to them very clearly. When it was yours, it was in your power to do with what you wanted to. And so we're talking tonight about some of the things that God has given us. The Bible teaches very clearly in James chapter 1, verse 17, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. And so everything that you have that's good, every perfect giving, it's of God. And God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He gives air to all man to breathe. He blesses mankind with many very wonderful gifts. And so we're talking about some of those gifts. And this morning we talked about our possessions. God's given us everything we've ever possessed. God's given to us. Your jobs. God gives you your jobs. He gives you your, your finances. He gives you your wealth. He gives you everything. But he also says you use it you know you you have the ability to use it any way you choose it may not be the way he wants you to use your possessions but the thing that we must keep in mind there will come a time when god can tally up all the possessions that he's ever given us all the wealth all the things of this world and he will be able to tally it all up and see exactly what each of us have had in our lifetimes but also what we've done with those things how we've used them Use them in a way that would be pleasing to him or wasted. And I'm sure we can probably all say, you know, I've wasted some money over the years. I've wasted this and I've wasted that. But when you look at the big picture, what have you done? And what are you doing? And as I mentioned this morning, and I'm going I'm to hit it just again, just briefly, because I think this is so important. When it comes to our earthly possessions, think about the Lord's church. Think about saved souls, saving them, keeping them saved. You know, as I mentioned, our children, they hope to get inheritances, I'm sure. Some of us probably didn't get much of anything when our parents passed, and maybe some did. But you know, in my mind, I think that we ought to at least, if you've got three children, put the church in there with the children, at least. Give the church a portion. Give the church all if you can. Most likely our children don't need anything anyhow. If they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and working and doing God's will. But think about the church. Think about the future. Think about the possessions that you have when it comes time to leave the walks of this life. What are you going to do with those? Are you going to give those possessions to the world? And let the world just waste and squander those things? Or since you've been frugal and you have things saved up perhaps, what about giving to the church? So that that monies and those possessions can be sold and then wise people, leaders of the church, can take those possessions and continue to do the Lord's work with those possessions. Another thing that God gives us is time. He gives all of us time. He don't give us all the same amount of time. We have different amounts of time, but our time can be measured 
years, months, weeks, days, minutes, seconds. You're only going to have so much time given you by God. I realize that some people speed up their time and some slow down their time. There's certain things we can do, but when it's all said and done, there'll be a tally, and it will be just like we studied this morning in Genesis chapter 5. So-and-so lived so many years, and he died. They got different amounts of time, didn't they? Some more, some less. But you know something in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, Paul wrote the church at Ephesus and he said, Seeing then that you walk circumspectly, that means to walk carefully or diligently, not as fools, but as wise. And then he says, Redeeming, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That redeeming there means make wise use of every opportunity to do good. Why? Because the days are evil. So, God gives you time. I don't know how much time he's going to give you. I don't know how much time he's going to give me. But there is a certain amount of time that I will live. And that'll be it here on this earth. There's coming a time when my time will be up. There'll be a time when your time will be up. We know this. And God gives us the freedom to choose. How to use our time. He teaches us how to use, how he wants us to use our time. But you know what? God doesn't just step in and interfere and say, no, you're going to use today this way and you're going to use tomorrow this way and you're going to do that because I'm not going to give you any other option. He doesn't do that. He gives us in his words instructions how to use our time. But then he leaves it up to us. It's in your power. What are you going to do tomorrow? God's not going to force you to do anything tomorrow. You would choose how you would use your time tomorrow. But keep in mind, you only have so much. That's what makes time really precious. Especially when you start seeing really how little time you have left to live. And to do God's will. Time is that stuff that our lives are made out of. So it's like this. If I waste time tomorrow, I'm wasting life tomorrow. Because that's what it is. When my time is up here, my life is up here. You see the connection? So God is going to give me a certain amount of time. He's going to give you a certain amount of time. And that time is going to be short. When you look at the big scheme of things, when you look at the, the big picture, there's so much written in God's Word about how short man's life really is. You know, when you're living and you're young and you're healthy and you're well, you just feel like you're going to live forever. Other people are dying, but not you. You're too strong. You're too healthy. But, you know, that can change in a moment. And so we have so many warnings. Just like Job chapter 9, verse 25. Job said, Now my days are swifter than a post. Well, some of you know what a post is, I'm sure. You've, some of you have lived 80 plus years, 90 years. Swifter than a post. 
a post as a runner. When I was in high school, there was a, a guy in the, my school. His name was Houston McTeer. He was a sprinter. While he was in high school, he, tried, he tied the world record in the 100-yard dash. He ran a nine flat. I saw him at a football game one time race a quarter horse at halftime, 50-yard dash. He outran the quarter horse. He was a post. He was fast. He was so fast that when we had relays, he would be running beside the other two teams, just almost jogging, and they were running as hard as they could run. He got in trouble because he looked over at a couple of them and said, bye-bye, I got to fly, and then he took off. Got in big trouble for that. But he was a runner. He was a speedster. He was fast. I always wanted to be fast like Houston McTeer. But you know something? When I look at my life sometimes, I think maybe I'm faster than Houston. Because as I look back over my life, it's been swift like a post, like a runner, hasn't it? When the days are gone, they're gone. It's, so, it's like, where did, the, where did the years go? Where did the time go? And I'm sure as we get older, people tell me it just speeds up. It doesn't slow down. You get faster like Houston, faster and faster and faster until the time is, is gone. In Job 16, verse 22, he said, When a few days are come, then I shall go the way whence I shall not return. Just a few years. That's really the way we ought to look at life. We just have a few years of, of time that God's given us. Psalm 90, verse 4 and 5, five and also 6, the psalmist wrote, For a thousand years is in thy sight, in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past. Isn't that true? A thousand years would be just like, once it's past, it's just like yesterday. And as a watch in the night, thou carriest them away with a flood. It's like a gush. That time just gushes by like a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. Of course, one of my favorite, Job 14, verse 1 and 2. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth as a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also the shadow and continueth not. And James would just continue the whole thought in James 4, 14, when he says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, but what is your life? It appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. You know when you get really sick? Maybe you're fixing to have a major surgery. Your mind goes to work, doesn't it? And you begin to wonder, is my time about to be up? Oh, what will I do once I recover and with the time that I have left? But it, it kind of sets the tone for you some. It kind of puts your feet back on the ground and makes you think in real terms. I only have so much time. Oh, it's precious. Very precious. Don't waste a minute of it. Use it to God's glory. When talking about the wicked, 
In Job 20, verse 7 and 8, he says, Yet he shall perish forever like his own dung. They which have seen him shall say, Where is he? You ever said that? A good friend of mine passed away with COVID a few months back. I saw another one this weekend, and I told him what happened. He's like, I didn't know anything about it. Just gone. Just gone. Just like that. Where is he? Where is he? He shall fly away as a dream. Some of you remember your dreams much better than I do. I very seldom ever remember if I have a dream, but if I do remember I have a dream, I don't remember what the dream was. It just passes by. I had a dream, but I can not tell you about it. That's the way life is. It just flies by, just like a dream. And he says, and shall not be found. Yea, he shall be chased away as a vision of the night. Oh, in a sense, it might be that we would like to know how long we have. But maybe it's better that we don't. I really don't know. But I do know the Bible says in Psalm 90, verse 10, the days of our years are three score and ten. That's seventy. And if by reason of strength they be four score years, that's eighty. Yet is their strength is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. How close are you to seventy? I'm getting closer every day. Wes already looking behind him. He said, I didn't pass that number. I'm moving on to the 80s, 90s. But if you live to be 90, that'll be here before you can blink an eye. God's only going to give you so much time. You can waste it. You can squander it. You can be lazy. You can be a sluggard. Or you can use that time. Live life. Live it to the fullest. Do the best you can with it. As Jesus said in John 9, verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. And so now we have time, we have life. Let's make the most out of it. There's something else that God gives us. God has given us abilities, talents abilities each one of us and and those abilities he's given us and he says they're they're yours to use and this is instructions on how to use your god-given talents and abilities but he's not going to force you there are some folks today that could probably be outstanding gospel preachers but they choose not to do that or our song leaders they choose not to do that or our personal workers they choose not to do that there's just all kind of talents elders leaders deacons they choose not to do that. But God's given them those abilities, those talents. You know, we, we use the parable of the, the talents, the man that had the five, the man that got the two and the one. And actually that's talking about monies and, and you know, using it to make money with money. But, but we can also make application to us and our abilities and gifts that God's given us. And so in Matthew 25, verse 15, the Bible says, And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, straightway, and straightway took his journey. Now when you see that where it says several ability, that means individual 
abilities. You see, these three servants all didn't have the same abilities. Evidently, the one that had the five talents had more abilities. God gave him more abilities. God gives some people more abilities, more talents than he does others, and some less. But that's not really the, the picture here. That's not the main thing you want to see here. It's what you do with what God has given you. He's given all of us abilities. As individuals, there's things that every one of us can do. And there are things that you can do well. And there's things that you can improve on, as we will see. So God has given us the freedom of choice again. And in all of these things, he gives us, he lets you choose. He doesn't force his will on you. And so he gives you X amount of abilities. So much talent. So in verse 16 of Matthew 25, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. So you see, it was multiplied. He used what God gave him. God gave him more. Verse 17, Likewise, he that received two, he also gained other two because he used what God gave him. You see, isn't that how you grow? You see, God gives you talent, abilities, and you use those abilities. Well, after a while, you're, you're real comfortable with those abilities. But then there's an opportunity for you to step out of your comfort zone just a little bit. And guess what happens? The next thing you know, you get comfortable over there. And then you take another step, and you get even more comfortable. And before long, you can do this, 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 and it just keeps growing. That's growth. But you've got to start using what God gives you, and then it multiplies. And you also please him. But notice, in verse 18 it says, He that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. That's not what you want to do. God let him do it. He didn't stop him. But that's not what God wanted. That's not what he wanted when it was all said and done. And so you use what God's given you. I look at some folks and I'm, I wouldn't say I'm envious, I'm happy because they are so gifted at so many things. And I watch them use those uh, abilities. It's wonderful. I want more, I want to be more like that, but I can't be so focused on what I don't have that I don't use what I do have. So use what you've got. When we all use what we have, we work together as a unit. And we're able to accomplish the greater good. We do not miraculously find life worth living. We make life worth living. It's a choice that we make. It's not how long we live. It's how we live. That will always be what's most important. If you live to be 120 years old, but you squander and waste your possessions, your time, your abilities, what good is it? But if you live to be 30 and you do things the way God, you take his gifts and you use them to his glory. If you only live to be 20 or 30, what a successful life. So it's not the length of days. It's how you live the life that you live. What kind of steward are, are you of these precious gifts that God gives you? In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, 
The Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That would be true of our possessions. That would be true of our time, our lives. That would be true of our abilities. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, Paul says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. See, they were not all the same. They were very different. But they had purpose. They had reason. Notice verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, to help them to grow and mature, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. We all have our several abilities that we've been given that we can use to edify the body of Christ. Everything we do, we ought to be focused on edifying the body of Christ and seeking the lost to help them be saved. There's nothing more important than, important than building up the saved and saving the lost. See, when it comes down to it, it's all about souls. And the church is vitally important in these areas. In Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 4, Paul says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. You know what that means. The church is made up of many members. I'm a member, you're a member, we're all members. But we don't all have the same office. That means we don't have the same function. I'm the preacher. Some of y'all preach too. I'm a preacher, really. Not really the preacher. I'm a preacher. Uh, we've got song leaders. We've got Bible class teachers. We've got just caregivers. We've got, we all work together. We don't have the same function. We don't, we don't have all the same abilities, the same talents. We, we vary, and that's not bad. That's actually good. So we being many are one body, and every one member is one of another. See, we're just like your human body is made up of many members, but they're all connected together. And they function. They supply the needs of one another. They're very necessary. There's, there's not a part of your body that, that's probably not pretty special to you. I know I like all the parts of my body. I mean, that, you know, as long as they're functional, they don't function, I don't guess they're that big a deal, but... Uh, we need functional members in our body. Notice, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Of course, you had miracles in the first century in the church as well. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion, proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. There's a place for everyone in the Lord's body. And everyone in the Lord's body has their special functions. They are to use, we are to use our abilities and talents uh, the way God intended. He's not going to force us to. We can always sit back and say, well, let so-and-so do it. Or we can make excuses like Moses and say, oh, I'm of a slow speech, of a slow tongue, and, 
let someone else do it. We can do all those things. Won't please God, but we can. That's not the kind of people we want to be. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul said, From whom the whole body, notice this, fitly joined together. We fit together, just like the human body. Fitly joined together, compacted, compacted, close, fitly joined together, compacted, by that every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself, notice this, in love. So as members of the body of Christ, we are to be in love with one another. And we are to be close-knit. Sometimes, well, I'm not going to get into all that, but we are a close bunch. And some people may not think that's that good a thing, but to me, it's the greatest thing I've ever been a part of. We are a family. And that means sometimes everything don't go perfect. But we love one another. And we work through whatever we need to. And we depend upon one another. That's a good thing. Being a family. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, Paul said, But now hath God set, set the members, every one of them, in the body. Now notice this. As it hath pleased him. You know why you've got the abilities that you have? You know why you can do what you can do? You know why others can do what they can do? Because God gave them those abilities. He placed them in the church right where he wanted them. He's placed you where he wants you. Now he wants you to do what he's intended for you to do. You can do things that others can't do. It don't mean that you have to do things better than others. Just do what you can do. It's good enough. Just give it what you've got. Put what you have into it. And so, ability plus opportunity equals responsibility, right? If you don't have the ability, you don't have to be concerned about it because it's not your responsibility. If you don't have the opportunity, it has to be ability plus opportunity equals responsibility. You know why I'm a preacher today? I'm a preacher today because I had a little tad of ability that somebody saw and pushed me in that direction and the doors opened because of God and gave me the opportunity to do what I do, which is the greatest work in the world. If everyone knew how great it is being a gospel preacher, they'd all want my job. The preacher that was here before me said, if this job became available, there would be preachers lined up all the way across the front and down the road wanting this job. I've always thought about that. I work with the greatest people in the world. I have the greatest boss in the world. And it is a great work. So our abilities are in our control. But remember this. Matthew 25, verse 30. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping 
and gnashing of teeth. God says, I've blessed you with a lot of abilities, or some abilities, some more than others. You can use them, you can lose them, waste them, but you're going to answer for them. You know, sometimes people just want to try to ignore what they could do, and they don't do the things that they could. They don't grow like they should. And it's just as though they can say, well, I can't do that, and that's for somebody else, and this. Just remember, God will tally up all those abilities that he's given you. And he's going to check to see if you've used those abilities the way he intended. And at the end, you don't want to be like the man who was given the one talent and went and dug a hole and buried your talent. You've got talent that you don't even know you have. We all do. That's why we need to be volunteers. We need to volunteer. We need to step up. We need to try. Anything to do with the Lord's work, anything to do with edifying people, anything to do with saving the lost, we need to step up and say, let me have a shot at it. Teach me, train me, whatever I need to see if I have that God-given ability to be able to do those things. Our monies, our possessions, our time, our abilities are ours to do with what we choose. But remember this, Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12, 13 said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's really it in a nutshell. Fear God, keep his commandments. Man will answer in all of these areas that we've discussed today. In Hebrews 9, 27, And as is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. And what's going to happen at the judgment, right? We're going to have to give an account. Ecclesiastes 12, 14, For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. It's going to be there on a judgment day. 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. We're in our bodies right now, right? But there will be a time when we will be out of our bodies. But we're going to have to give an account for all these things while we were in our bodies so we need to examine ourselves daily to make sure that we are taking these precious gifts that God has given us whether it be our monies our possessions our our time our talents and that we are using them to the fullest to his glory so when this life is over we will have worn ourselves completely out in his service. We'll have no money to leave behind, no possessions to leave behind. We'll have, there'll be no time left behind because we'll be lived it up and we will have stretched our abilities 
as far as we possibly could to his glory. And then it'll be time to meet our maker. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you've got time right now. You may not have time tomorrow. People leave this world every moment of every day. Most probably don't even expect that they're about to check out. We just don't know. No one knows what a day will bring forth. We don't know what will happen through the night. There's no way to know. But we know this. You can examine your life with God's Word and know if you're ready. And that's the key. Live life every day as though it were your last. Just like if you were going to meet Jesus that day, how would you live your life? If you're here and you're not a Christian, won't you become one? Just simply do what the Bible teaches. We will not ever ask you to do anything that's not found in God's Word. We don't have authority to do that. We can only show you what Jesus has said. And Jesus said, you've got to believe, John 3, 16, that he's the Son of God. You've got to repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. That means have a change of mind that produced a change of life. You've got to confess him, Matthew 10, 32. That is, that you believe that he is the Son of God. And then be baptized for the remission of your sins so that you can be saved, Mark 16, 16. And be faithful unto death, Revelation 2, 10. He's done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And there's nothing that he has not provided for us that we need. All things are ready. You're here tonight. You need to obey the gospel. Once you come, as together we stand and sing.